and welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Great spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. But most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. the largest market town in the Cotswolds, where I'm staying at Ingleside House. This grade two building is now a boutique hotel with bold interiors and its very own 200 person theatre with weekly performances to enjoy. I'm delighted to welcome Ryan Walters to the podcast, who's going to tell me all about the story behind this theatrical space. Ryan, welcome to Creative Spaces. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm very well. I braved the drive down from London through a thunderstorm, no less. And the sun has suddenly come out of nowhere, so it's shining down on us here today. Absolutely. And I'm very excited to get into the story behind this space, but before we do, let's start with you. And I'd love to hear a bit about your background and how you came to be here at Ingleside House. Okay, yeah. So I um, have always enjoyed performing arts and mm. theatre. Yeah. Um, throughout school and college, it was what I always did at school and like in my spare time. Um, and through that, I met the owner of Ingleside, Ian Carling, um, and the director, Rachel Wright. Um, and yeah, they told me about an exciting project they had of opening a restaurant in Sirencester um, and a professional theatre. Um, and I live in Swindon, which is about 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd worked in bars and the theatre there as well. Um, and yeah, they had the opportunity to come up for a general manager here. And so I bit their hand off, really. Yeah. Um, I think the opportunity for me to work in kind of the two things I love, like hospitality mm-hmm. and theatre, kind of yeah. in the same space, um, was really nice and really exciting. And to be part of something from pretty much from new, the theatre mm-hmm. was uh, the hadn't quite opened yet and the restaurant opened four or five months before I joined. Yeah. Um, it was just really exciting to have a kind of blank canvas and a lot of freedom at... 20 years old Wow! to um, kind of put my own stamp on a place and, yeah. and work with people on creating something quite special. Mm-hmm. Which it's was quite lovely. an opportunity that for 20 year old. Yeah. Crikey. Yeah. The owner told me if I shaved my beard off, um, I couldn't keep the job because I'd look 20. <laughs> but with my beard, I, I got away with looking a bit old. So. You, could, you could be behind the bar yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, well, we'll get into all that a bit more in a second. But let's just paint a bit of a picture for people listening. We're here in the Cotswolds, the mm-hmm. land of golden cottages and wisteria and market towns. Could you maybe paint a bit of a picture about Sirencester and your favourite spots around here? Yeah, so Sirencester is a great town. I've always been quite fond of it it's as I say it's about 20 minutes away from where I live um I came to college here um I was I think I was one of three people from my school that came sort of this far for college um just because it was such it was a good college but also it's such a beautiful town um and I think for me at 16 17 when you start college to to have an opportunity to explore a whole new town Mm. is quite unique and was quite fun um and with performing arts, it was fairly low on the paperwork. So got a good amount of time to um, sort of stroll around the town and just 
it's it's obviously got a big sort of tourist attraction to Sirencester. Um, it's a well-known town. It's a very historic town. Um, but it's got so much great things going on um, with the locals and people really building it as a sort of destination to live in as well as just to mm-hmm. visit. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes places in certainly like area of natural beauty and things like that, they become very tourist driven, yeah. which is obviously crucial, mm-hmm. um, especially for us being a hotel. Yeah. Um, but it's nice when there's plenty of things to do as a local as well mm-hmm. and to enjoy. Um, and certainly in the last sort of five years that that I've been working more in this area, there's been so many great restaurants and bars and coffee shops and things opening up that just shows that people are clearly interested in this town and like developing it and making it somewhere great. And there's some really great organizations that do so much hard work, mostly voluntary running things like the local festival, the Phoenix festival, which is really well um, sort of visited and, and runs every year. Um, the Christmas lights switch on and things like that. Mm-hmm. The theatres certainly try and do their fair amount of like community stuff. We did a, I think they had a world record for the world's largest human poppy wow. on the centenary year where they got a load of people in the town centre dressed in coloured uh, anoraks. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, bird's eye view of a, of a poppy. So there's a real nice sort of community atmosphere here. Um, and I find because it's such a historic town, a lot of people that, that visit have been before mm-hmm. um, and quite enjoy that oh, you know, I came here 10 years ago and it was completely different. Or I came here 40 years ago and it's and it's completely different. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just a really nice part of the world to be in. There's there's enough going on to keep you busy or to like enjoy a weekend. But but equally, you can go off for a walk with your dog or what have you and not see mm-hmm. anyone for like an hour. Heaven. And it's a real nice, like peaceful, like escape. Yeah. Um, but then you can pop to a busy pub for a pint after or whatever. Exactly, nice. yeah. I can work for that pint, yeah. Oh, well, two things you said there, community and this like creative energy almost, mm. really struck me because that's exactly what's at the heart of this space. Yeah. Um, and I know it's it's actually origin sort of came through, not as a hotel, but through this sort of performing art side of things. So I'd love to hear, let's start at the beginning, the yeah. beginning of Ingleside House. And could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, Ian Carlin, the owner, and his wife, Chrissy, um, have lived just down the road locally, I think for 30, 40 years or so, mm-hmm. um, and had always performed with um, Sirencester Operatic Society, as it was called at the time, um, along with Rachel um, Wright, who's our director here. Um, and they'd always performed here in the theatre and Ian had always done the lights and sound and they'd been on stage. Um, and at the start of the millennium, there was an opportunity for Ian to purchase the building, which he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always ran as a, had a lovely pub downstairs, had function rooms and things and had this theatre that was very much kind of community space. Um, there was concerts, there was amateur theatre, there was squash, there was Pilates, there was all sorts going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think then Yuan uh, Lewis, who's the artistic director and CEO of the barn, um, he had known Ian and Chrissy through similar routes to me in that he performed with them when mm-hmm. he was younger, um, gone off and done his, you know, being a West End star and he was in Hairspray and all sorts of things like that. Um, and yeah, between him and Ian, they decided to make a, a professional theatre for Sirencester. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's quite nice is there's there's lots of great theatres around here in Swindon and Cheltenham. Um, uh, and Newbury and things like that. But to have a theatre that was producing its own theatre as opposed to relying on tours coming in meant that they had something quite special for a space Mm -hmm. outside of London Um, and also something quite unique. Um, I certainly found when I used to work in Swindon, the show that was on in Swindon was then on in Cheltenham the week after and then Bristol Mm -hmm. the week after. 
um, which obviously, you know, enables people to see big shows that are coming out of London and things, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, but it's nice when people come here, we can say, actually, this is unique. Like you're yeah. the first, one of the first 200 people that's seen this. Wow. Um, because, you know, although they'll do titles that have been done before they did Christmas Carol, which obviously everyone's mm -hmm. probably seen or at least read, but their version of it, you know, yeah. and, and their set and their style and their direction. And it's nice to know that it's unique. Um, mm -hmm. And then for some of those shows to be going off on tour from here, yeah. um, it's just a really nice touch. And I think it helps sort of put Siren Tester on the map. Yeah. It's obviously very firmly on the map as a historic kind of mm -hmm. um, and a pretty place to be. Yeah. Um, but from a sort of cultural perspective, it's nice alongside a lot of other art projects and there's some great museums and galleries and things in town mm -hmm. but it's nice to have a real sort of serious professional theatre in the town and it's a proper professional yeah. theatre you walk in there 200 seater all in like you know these quite suave black chairs goes all the way back little raised by the end and some absolute lighting and sound setup yeah there. there's it's some a... serious lights and sound that i couldn't begin to understand but yeah. they do they do a brilliant job with it and they've had some great people mm -hmm. that have helped them build that um, and still, you know, continue to keep that going. Yeah. Um, we're very fortunate in the theatre to be supported by quite a lot of high profile figures. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Morpurgo, the author. Oh, wow. Um, who obviously did War Horse and Private Peaceful and things like that, has always been very supportive of the barn. Um, gave, I think they've now done two of his shows. So they did okay. Butterfly Lion, which was one of his books. And they did... <laughs> Another one. Test, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get told off for not remembering. But they've, they've done two Michael Morpurgo shows and he himself is obviously so big in the literature world but also the theatre mm -hmm. world and and is always you know he comes down and he meets people and we do a little little yeah. dinner where you can meet with him and sort of yeah. have dinner with him before the show and people like that that help support the theatre and really raise the profile mm -hmm. of it again are helping raise the profile of the town yeah. the profile of the Cotswolds as a whole mm -hmm. um and I think it's just another kind of string to the bow for the Cotswolds really yeah um you know it's very well rooted as somewhere you can come for a relaxing weekend or a spa weekend or a or a, a walking weekend, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but to have that kind of theatre element yeah. um, in there is quite a nice little yeah. sort of added bonus, I think. It's really special. And I love how that was at the core of this space from the beginning. It wasn't mm. added on as like mm. an after effect. It's been here. It's the reason this hotel is here now. Yeah. But then, obviously you said they did the theatre and they then looked at the rest of the building and decided to work on that. So what did that sort of chapter look yeah, like? Yeah, so the, so the restaurant and the theatre kind of came hand in hand. Um, the restaurant opened a little bit faster because I guess it was a bit easier probably to build in a theatre. <laughs> um, but the theatre opened sort of six months afterwards and this was five, nearly six years ago now. Um, and it's been going from strength to strength since. I mean, even even during COVID, the, the theatre was doing live streaming. They had, mm -hmm. you know, they, they provided like a like a Q&A platform for the local MP yeah. so that when everyone was worried about COVID and what was going on, like mm. they could hop on Facebook and like see this live stream with the MP where he could answer questions and That's things. Cool. So again, that community vibe was there, but then they also had um, Tweedy the Clown from Gifford Circus was doing like some shows and stuff to try and keep people's kids entertained during oh. COVID. And like, so they always try and diversify and like adapt to whatever mm. they've got going on. Yeah. Um, they also are now operating a cinema on Sundays. So Sundays is the only day they don't do theatre mm -hmm. because the actors love them and deserve a bit of a break. Um, and again, Siren Sister for a little while now hasn't had a cinema. Mm -hmm. um, so to save people travelling 20 minutes, 30 minutes yeah. to Cheltenham or Swindon, they um, now have a cinema here on Sundays where yeah. they show things. And again, they do some like classics, like they put Sound of Music on or oh. like Frozen Sing Along and things like that for the kids. But they also get, you know, fairly new films um, just a few weeks after sort mm -hmm. of the big cinemas do. You know, we had yeah. the Barbie and Oppenheimer on the yeah. same day, which some people did both yeah. um, yeah. and things like that. 
and so so yeah we'd always had the the restaurant and the theater for a long time and we noticed there was a lot of people that were obviously traveling to mm -hmm. come to the theater uh, and enjoy the restaurant and so i guess kind of the missing link for that was the hotel yeah uh so then during covid when we had what we view as an opportunity mm -hmm. where the theater and the restaurant were closed um, but construction was allowed. We thought there's no better time to to get this hotel done because we're not yeah. going to disturb the theatre. You know, your show is quite well ruined if there's a cement mixer or a digger going <laughs> off outside. Um, so to be able to build that during COVID, and I think we sort of planned it before Christmas, cracked on start of January, and it was open by May. Wow. So we, we turned it around pretty quick. And, and considering, obviously, all the COVID protocols we had in that as well, in mm -hmm. that we couldn't have too many people working in the same bedroom and things like that, um, it was quite fun, but quite yeah. challenging. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I sort of came in as a bit of a labourer, as it were, for that <laughs> period, which was fun. Made me realise I would be an awful labourer, and I'm probably in the right career. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a really unique opportunity to see how a space like this can be built. Because mm. I think a lot of the time, uh, working in this industry, unless you own it or you're kind of your job is to build hotels and things. Mm. You don't really see that kind of background work that goes into it and all the yeah. planning on things that I find interesting that probably aren't like where all the pipes go and, yeah. and how all the switches work and all that sort of mm -hmm. thing. But it's given me and, and the others that were here at the time such a unique knowledge in, oh, this isn't working. How do we fix it? Yeah. Or actually, I know exactly why that's like that. And it's because this is behind it and that's beneath it. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I think people like that story. A lot of the people that come to the hotel, you know, we'll get chatting to them and, and, you know, for them to hear about like its history and like the fact that it's kind of, it's the owner's legacy, essentially. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's always said that is this is his kind of legacy for the town. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's very much, it is the, the community's theatre. It's not, you know, it's not there to make a profit. It's not there. It runs yeah. as a charity and it's, mm -hmm. it does its community work and, and is there for the people of Sirencester and beyond yeah. to, to enjoy. Um, and yeah, to add the hotel on just means we've completed that circle. People mm -hmm. can now come down for the weekend. They can have a lovely dinner in Teatro on a Friday night, go to the show on the Saturday night, hootle off around the Cotswolds yeah. on a Sunday and then head, head back yeah. to their respective homes. Yeah. So it's nice because it's all in the same place, gives them a bit of a base, but mm -hmm. also you can kind of explore. Yeah, and you guys have got so much going on here as well. You've got your live music and that little bar with a very appealing looking cocktail bar, yeah. I have to yeah. say. And then you go out around the back and there's a little sort of open air garden which again are you saying you do like fun summer barbecue sunday roasts mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. you go down the back as a whopping pavilion and you were saying you do like abba cabaret nights like that's fantastic yeah so this was was a fairly new thing i think we've been doing it two years now um again actually working with an ex-performer couple love them mm -hmm. um stuart matthew price and heather lundstedt who are both ex west end and broadway performers um there was some connections with them through Yuan, who runs the theatre, and we've kind of set up this thing we call Entertainment at Ingleside, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the, uh, I guess, the best of both worlds in that mm -hmm. it has that entertainment sort of theatrical side that the barn is so famous for, whilst also celebrating the great food and drink that we yeah. have such a good name for. Um, and yeah, it's like it's like your you know your Cotswolds equivalent of Ronnie Scott's you know your jazz <laughs> club, um, but yeah, cabaret dinner, three course meal. Um, we've had, yeah, we do some tribute nights. We had an ABBA tribute night, which was great. Um, we had a Blues Brothers tribute night, but we've also had, um, Tom Seals, who was oh, yeah. billed yeah. as the, the next Elton John or something like that, um, who came and did a show for us, but he also, he did a Billy Joel tribute for us. Oh, wow. Um, so, well, not tribute, but you know, the songs yeah. of Billy Joel. Um, and yeah, it's just a really nice, for me, that's 
the most unique thing that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we do unique theatre, we do unique food and drink. Yeah. Um, but this is a real like cabaret club kind of vibe is certainly mm. not anything that I've aware of in this in this area yeah um and yeah it's, again it's just really well received and 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 that's what's nice about it is is the hotel and the restaurant and the events business is so well supported by those same people that come to the theater mm. and and you know there's some people that that come to the theater and and, and aren't, aren't interested in the other bit and yeah. some people that come for dinner and drinks but don't really aren't really interested in theater and, mm. and they're all as important but there's really those people that buy into that whole yeah sort of vibe is is just yeah it's amazing yeah a hundred percent i really like how you've taken these like quite theatrical creative um elements and you've really woven them into the hotel itself and we're sat here in one of the bedrooms and it's you know this bright green emerald jewel color on the wall and it's like fun splash of pink going over one of the old fireplaces and every room we went in there was this fun sort of color theme that was just bringing what is an old cotswold building very much into the modern age. And you could tell that you had a lot of fun bringing this together. Yeah, it was great. I mean, we, we, I think the designer from the company we used, we, she was very happy because we said, go, go wild. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you if it's a bit too much, but, yeah. but go nuts, which she said, you know, is very unique. And yeah. she, she got an opportunity to go wild. And I just think it, it really resonates through this place is the color and the style. And I find the most impressive spaces you walk into in any walk of life are the ones where you go, I would never have thought to do that, but yeah. that looks brilliant. Yeah. You know, and there's a, there is a lot of that here. Yeah. There's there's some gold embossed cherries on the fireplace downstairs that I think, you know, if I saw them in a shop, I'd never buy them. Yeah. But they look incredible yeah. uh, in the space that they're in. And we, we, we had a long time when we were looking through all the designs for the bedrooms where they're all very colourful and very different. And like this room's probably got 20, 30 colours going on in it. Mm-hmm. But we all said, as long as we don't all hate the same one, Mm-hmm. that's fine there's yeah. probably a room that we dislike the color of but as long as other people don't dislike yeah. it then we're, then we're okay mm-hmm. um you know and and again we try to put that nod through to the theater in that every room has like a quote on the wall um mm. so in here it's oh baby baby it's a wild world um ah. which was someone's favorite song i think and then there's some that have like shakespeare quotes from different plays and they're obviously they're there to fill a space and to be a piece of artwork mm-hmm. but it's again it's trying to just link that back yeah. to our sort of theatrical core mm-hmm. as it were yeah um and I think, you know, that's the aim. The aim is to be that entertainment capital of mm-hmm. the Cotswolds. You know, it's yeah. where you come, if you're coming to the Cotswolds or you live in the Cotswolds and you want top class entertainment and top class sort of hospitality, mm. you know, this is the place where you can get that all in one. Yeah, definitely. And it's incredibly welcoming, this space. I think maybe it is the colours that just make you smile as you walk in um, or the warm welcome and sort of the big hallway. It doesn't feel like a receptionist check-in area, really. Mm. Um, and then the little touches we walked around and you told me about the names on all the rooms. I'd love if you could share that story. Yeah. So, um, we had a long period of, we didn't just want numbers on the doors. We wanted names. And then we were like, how, how sort of corny can we go with the names in sort of sunshine room and morning room? And I know it's a bit naff. So we came up, the first idea was to name them after people that have owned this building or, mm. or operated this building because, you know, the, the main part of the building that we're in is, is grade two listed. It's very much a staple of Sirencester. So it used to be called Beaches House, mm-hmm. which is the area that we're in is Beaches, part yeah. of Sirencester um, on Beaches Road. Um, and it's a three, 400 year old building. Um, it was a private estate. It was um, owned by the council for a long time. It was a delivery point for arms during the war. Wow. It's um, in fact on the fireplace down in the um, reception area, there's some carvings in the fireplace of um, sort of horse and carriage that would have been at the time no delivering goods and things to the to the town, um, and then yeah, it was it was the local school 
um, for a long time. And that was its most recent use before, mm-hmm. before um, it took over now. But we had this, this idea of naming it after different people. And we'd put a lot of research into um, various different names of people that owned it. And one of yeah. the, the rooms we wanted to call um, Carling after Ian Carling and Chrissy Carling, the owners. Um, and so we pitched that to him and, and he said, oh, well, I, I don't really want to name it after those people because they're nothing to do with it anymore. Yeah. You know, um, it's historical and stuff, but, but um, he's, and he came up with this idea, which was really sweet. And I think, I think sort of, we have a very kind of family driven uh, ethos in this mm-hmm. place. And his idea of naming the rooms basically after people that either worked here now or were very much like crucial to getting this business going in some form mm-hmm. in the past um he decided to name a room after those sort of people yeah. um which is lovely so i've got a room named after me yeah. um which also used to be my office so that's quite fun <laughs> it connects it for me um my office is now a bathroom um <laughs> but yeah and, and, and again people like that story yeah. and it, i think it makes people feel connected um you know because because people do come down a lot and, and say i say what room are you in to, to charge their bill and they'll say oh waters waters or something like that and I say, oh, that's the best room because that's the room that's named after me. But, you know, it, it yeah. creates that conversation for people. And I think it it highlights to people that we are kind of a family business. Mm-hmm. Um, I call us, you know, I call us a big small business because this is our only site. You know, we're not a massive conglomerate or big, big company. But what we do in this small part of the Cotswolds is mm. pretty big Definitely. Um, in terms of, as you say, theatre, restaurant, hotel, weddings, birthday parties, mm-hmm. like the works. Yeah. Um, no day is the same, yeah. which can be quite stressful. I can imagine. But, but also it's quite nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of what appeals to people in probably hospitality and theatre is the variety and the fact yeah. that no day is the same. Yeah. Um, you can't get bored here. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I've done 10 years in hospitality and this is my first podcast. <gasps> so, go. you know, this is... Um, Again, more examples of, of new things and things we get to enjoy. I love it. And well, yeah, let's talk about the food and drink then, mm. because the, we had a little wander down to the bar restaurant area earlier, lots of very cosy sort of nooks to sit in. Again, this brilliant green splashing out in the restaurant and the piano in the corner. Yeah. Um, can you talk me through the kind of things you might enjoy if you were coming to stay here? Yeah, I mean, we've got we've got a great team of chefs here. I, I'm always very, um, I always admire chefs because mm. it's, it's a very difficult job, yeah. very stressful. But it's also very skilled. And I think that's what people sometimes forget about chefing is they see, you know, they see your Gordon Ramsay's shouting around and throwing things around the kitchen, but they, they underestimate actually how many years of graft has gone into, mm. I can pretty much say to the chef, can you make this for me? They're like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Whereas I'd be there on Google being like, how do I make, how do I make or this? <laughs> yeah. How do I do this? Um, and yeah, we've got some great chefs. Um, our head chef TJ um, has been with us just under a year now. Um, he's got a very good name locally for different pubs and restaurants that he's worked at. Um, a couple of great guys from like the local area who we're sort of training up and working through in the kitchen. Um, Chris, who's um, one of our sous chefs, um, him and his wife were on uh, Bake Off the Professionals. No way. So there's a video of them making a, a big croque en bouche um, profiterole tower. Yeah. Um, which I asked if we'd want to do for a wedding here. And he said, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> he said it again. was too much. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a great team. And they, they really try and pride themselves on fresh produce and local produce, which nowadays I think is not, in fairness, is not so unique. But I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, You know, a lot more restaurants and pubs and things are focusing on what great produce their area has to offer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all you know, every area has their sort of specialty, as it were. But the Cotswolds, you know, for, for, for meat, for game, for... 
fresh fruit and veg, you know, it's exactly yeah. what um, it's for. You know, anyone that's watched Clarkson's Farm knows that there's a, a plethora of local yeah. sort of businesses. And, and, and we try and support those as, as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and they try and make everything from scratch. You know, yeah. there's very little. I've worked in restaurants before where the lorry will turn up and things come off the back and go in the fridge or the freezer. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and they end up on the plate, but but here it's very much there's there's a stack of veg and a stack of meat, and it's yeah. kind of I don't know what that's going to become, but yeah. it's going to become something. Yeah, you know, um, we do a lovely market fish, which changes um, gets delivered at three o'clock in the morning, so it's as mm. fresh as it can. Yeah, uh, and you know it comes really simple, comes with a vegetable stew, comes with a nice sauce, mm. um, and just a really nicely pan fried mm. fillet of fish. Oh, you know, so gorgeous. I I think sometimes things can become a bit complicated and a bit like, oh, there's so much stuff on this plate, but I can't work mm-hmm. out what it is. It's a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I think we've always tried to stick to kind of a simple but real mm-hmm. quality. Yeah. Um, and I call it kind of, it's not fine dining, but we call it kind of casual fine dining in that mm-hmm. you're getting that quality, but it's not sort of, hello, sir, hello, madam, yeah, how are yeah. you? Mm-hmm. You know, we try and keep it friendly. And I, yeah. think, I think our customers respond to that because it's, again, it's kind of, portraying that family environment mm-hmm. and it's like you know welcome back and you yeah. know let me get that Malbec you had that Malbec last time yeah. and, and trying to make people feel welcome we have a, obviously a lot of people that will come to every show and they'll come to dinner every time mm. and you know you start to recognize those faces um but yeah some, some incredible food on the menu mm-hmm. um got a really nice lamb rack at the moment we've got a Josper grill which okay. is like a, a indoor charcoal oven Lovely. um it's like 400 degrees so the chefs <laughs> love having that behind them on like a yeah. hot summer's day um, I think that kitchen was like 45 degrees I know, in August Indian at one summer point. we just had yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, some real nice like smoky flavour on some of the steaks yeah. and, oh. and things like that, which is just nice. We do whole fishes and things in the summer mm. sometimes. And yeah, you mentioned we do we do a chill grill, um, which is kind of, we, we, we've always done a Sunday roast and I find in the summer, some people like it, but I can't stand the um, roast dinner in the I summer because I'm too hot yeah. and it's too much food. Um, so yeah, our chill grill was like a, a new thing we did for this year, which was basically TJ the head chef's out there on the barbecue mm-hmm. big massive you know sort of buffet table of salads and couscouses and yeah. sauces and things and and you come up to the barbecue and he says what do you want yeah you know there's steaks there's there's little there's chicken there's, there's mm. this you know and it's I think barbecues are always something that I think feel like more work than they're worth mm. right um, particularly if you're hosting a lot of people but you know yeah. it's kind of like I really want a barbecue but I can't be bothered cooking it yeah. cleaning the barbecue doing this doing that and I don't actually think there's many examples of somewhere you can go Mm-hmm. for a barbecue yeah like a proper barbie um, yeah, yeah unless you're going to like a like a like a fun fair or something yeah. obviously you can get your burgers <laughs> and your hot dogs but this is trying to like put our stamp on what yeah. a barbecue can be and it was really well received um a little bit fun when it decides to rain in the middle of july um <laughs> yeah, but, it was a washout summer wasn't it but i love that because yeah. i'm it's now it's like getting to that time of year again it's becoming quite crisp autumnal days and you start to fancy a roast and mm. it's such a nice thing to just see some friends for sunday lunch or yeah. you know see your family give you something to do and then you get to summer and you actually don't have that and it's always no. another rosé in the park which is yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong i Perfect. love it but it's quite nice to have that big lunchtime sit down with people and enjoy the food yeah. so i think and, uh, and you know even when it rained the, the great british spirit everyone was coming out yeah. and getting their food and then yeah. running back inside to yeah. eat it you know so it, it still worked quite well but oh. yeah and then and then yeah we work with a lot of local companies for drinks um our wine merchant is just down the road um Venatopia, they're called mm-hmm. they do a brilliant job um they really know their stuff and they work mm-hmm. with a lot of like um local companies for like various little gins and things they do but obviously uh. their main bulk is the wine um and yeah, they just, 
I've always had quite like a what I'd call a traditional knowledge of wine and you know a nice Bordeaux and a nice Chablis and things like that. Mm. But they're sort of opening our eyes, which we're trying to sort of feed onto the customers in these all these new world wines of like Hungarian Sauvignon mm. that we've got at the moment. It's delicious. Um, everyone raves about our Romanian Pinot Rosé. And, and you do get people, you know, you get people that say, Romanian? Romanian wine? Yeah. Like, I've never heard of that. But, you know, I found out that Hungary and Romania have been making wine for far longer than yeah. Italy and things like that. They just yeah. keep it to themselves, which I can't really blame them. Yeah. They just don't export much of it because they quite like to drink it themselves. Um, but yeah, some really nice stuff. And then when I started here, we didn't do cocktails. I'd come from a bit more of a bar background, so I was quite keen to kind of introduce mm. that. Um and yeah, I think at the time there was like 10 and our new list um, now has about 40 cocktails, I Crikey. think. Yeah. yeah. So you can um, easily have one too many. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, if you can get through all 40 and then I'll probably give you a couple for free because that would take some doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just some great stuff. And, and um, we try to like, if people want a specific one, we'll try and make it um, mm. and give it a go. And we try and encourage the staff to kind of get involved in that. Like mm. I actually had very limited involvement in the most recent cocktail list because the staff were so excited to try stuff and make stuff that um, it's like, actually, this is more authentic because yeah. it's you that's going to be sort of making it for the customer and therefore you can tell the customer that you designed this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always been, I think, the other thing that we really try and focus on here is is sort of nurturing young local talent. Yeah. Um, hospitality is always a hard industry for people to get involved with. Lots of people do it as a college job or a uni job or a gap year job. Mm-hmm. But I think it's about trying to inspire people that, it is actually a very good career to have. Yeah. It's a hard career, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, I'm a prime example of being given that opportunity at 20 years old and now to be running a site like this is insane. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've got my hotel manager. She started with us when she was 15 and she was washing plates and then she worked in the restaurant and then she worked on the bar and then she was a supervisor and now she's running the hotel. Yeah. You know, and our events manager has worked here for six, seven years since she was a mm-hmm. similar age. And that family side of it, again, with that, but also just trying to nurture that young talent and, and saying, you know, actually, just do it. Yeah. You make me a new cocktail menu and I'll tell you what I think. Mm-hmm. Or, or let me show you, you know, yeah. how that works. Oh, that's too expensive, but that one's yeah, okay, yeah. you know. And I think people do sort of resonate with that, like, development and learning side mm-hmm. of it as well. And I think we cling on to good good young people because of yeah. that. Um, which is nice. And again, I think I think the customers see that because they see, you know, I quite often have regular customers. I remember when I remember when she was just, just running the food out, you know, uh-huh. and now she's running the place or what yeah. have you. Um, and yeah, we've got a great team of, of guys and girls mm-hmm. who just work really hard and, yeah. you know, we couldn't do what we did here, what we do mm-hmm. here without their uh-huh. sort of input. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so special. And I love that this space is not only giving back to local, you know, producers and working with the farmers around here, which go back to Clarkson's Farm, mm. we all saw what a shocker it can be, mm. but helping younger people launch their careers and just helping the community with that amazing theatre space, I think is really quite special. So thank you so much for sharing the story with me. It's been such a pleasure chatting. Before we do go, mm-hmm. I do have a game of Dream Spaces to play with you. Lovely. Um, I'm going to ask you three questions. Imagine you cash that winning lottery check okay and you just let me know what space comes to mind for you so the first one is where are you running away to to disconnect and to detox oh that's a really good question Mm. um you know my answer to that always would have been italy i'm a big fan of italy Mm -hmm. um i'm also a big fan of france my fiance and i always argue whether italy is better than france or vice versa it's a hard argument it's a big debate to have but i would say italy but um, do you know, 
without sounding like I'm plugging the Cotswolds, I've just come back from a very relaxing little Airbnb cabin mm. that's only about half an hour from here, near to Clarkson's Farm, actually. Um, <laughs> and that was just, it was perfect because it wasn't mm. too far to go. Phones on the side, you know, yeah. walks around the countryside, pop into a little farm shop. Mm. You know, I think for me that's, I think a holiday abroad is great, but it's like sometimes it's more stressful than being oh, at home. Yeah. yeah. And like the travel and the, you know. And all the strikes. Yeah, and all the oh. strikes. And, and But also in dealing with like, I'm not, I don't speak any other languages, so it's like I find that really <laughs> stressful. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think just switching off, I think sometimes nearer to home, mm. you switch off more. Yeah than normal because any day-to-day stresses, you know, actually I, I can get home if I need mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah, exactly. um, or I can check my phone occasionally and make sure work's yeah. okay. But, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I think, I think a nice like okay. forest escape kind oh, of cabin, lovely. shepherd's hut, that kind of vibe mm, is definitely mine. Gorgeous. Thing. Yeah. And you've got everything you need to make a good cup of tea. Absolutely. Not like Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one, slightly different, your ultimate birthday party. Where are you hosting it? Uh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more of a birthday dinner than a birthday party mm-hmm. kind of person. Um, I'm not much of a dancer despite the performing <laughs> arts background. So anything that means I can stay sat down and have an excuse to stay sat down works quite well. But yeah, I, th- I think it comes back to my love of food and drink. So yeah. it has to it has to sort of be surrounded in that. So I think, you know, I've been to some great restaurants in London. Um, Fallow particularly mm-hmm. is one of my favourites. Yeah. Um and and yeah, but again, there's some great pubs around here. We um, we spoke earlier about the Double Red Duke, yeah. um, which actually, in fairness, we went to for mine and my fiance's birthday this year. <laughs> but but yeah, I think just any great restaurant, and yeah. I have a real love of like a private room, a nice yeah. big table of like fifteen, twenty of you, what have you, oh, and just because I think still you get that enjoyment of chatting to people, and mm. there's some music on, and it's still vibing. You can take photos and this, yeah. but it's just it all feeds around food and drink mm-hmm. um which is yeah it's just such a passion of mine um you know a nice like feasting style food I think and like yeah. sharing food I think it's quite I can't think of the word but like takes us back to our roots of like oh, yeah. the basis of mm-hmm. you know gathering yeah. and eating together and sharing food and and I think that's what I love so much about it is it's, mm-hmm. an, it's an excuse which don't get me wrong it's, it's quite a nice <laughs> thing to have but but just to meet with people and share food and drink and talk and and just yeah. sort of relax. And yeah. I think I get a fair amount of unwinding from that as well. Definitely. You know, you do kind of switch off from the world for a bit whilst you're enjoying yeah. a dinner or sat in a theatre or what mm-hmm. have you. A hundred percent. It's a different type of wellness, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, very good answer. I also love a big meal. So excellent. And then finally, your once in a lifetime bucket list trip. Where are you going? And are you staying anywhere special? Mm. I actually have this. I know <gasps> the answer to that one. Oh. I am Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, in America lovely. is my thing. So I've been seeing lots about San Francisco and Chicago having such a great food scene mm. um, and theatre scene as well, to be fair. Uh-huh. Um, and I have this dream of renting like a convertible American, mm. you know, Mustang or what have you. Yeah. And just driving down San Francisco, Chicago, LA, yeah. maybe finishing in Vegas or something like that. But that for me is like the dream trip. Okay, I love um, that. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a, a keen ice hockey fan, which not many people in England are. That's very niche. Um, yeah. But yeah, in America, you know, I can go there and I can go and yeah. watch lots of hockey. and. Do, but yeah, again, it's just food and drink. So any yeah. trip I do is is totally surrounded by the food and drink first. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we'll find a hotel and stuff. Everything else is second. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely the sort of 
driving tour. Like the driving mm. tour of anywhere, to be fair, this a sort of Europe driving tour mm. would be quite fun, but yeah. something appeals to me about that Pacific Coast highway yeah, kind of... excellent answer. Mm. And I do hope you get your, your highway cruise. Fingers crossed. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. me. It's been such a pleasure chatting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Curated Spaces podcast. For more information and content around any of the spaces we feature, head to our website or Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. And if there's a special place in your life that you'd like to hear on the Curated Spaces podcast, please do get in touch as we're always on the lookout for more brilliant spaces to share with the world.